Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 253 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking to Kevin all about his experience at the Keys 100 Mile Ultra Marathon this past weekend. We're going to answer a lot of questions that are on everybody's minds like, why would you do this? How do you even train for something like this? How did the race go? And lots more. So stay tuned. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so let's talk about the race. Okay. Right, let's talk about race day. How did you feel at the start line? You, you kind of started to tell us this right now. Yeah. Okay, so how did you actually feel like 10 minutes before the race, like when you were standing <laughs> there looking at the start line? It's surprisingly not very nervous. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the start of a race. The start of a race to me is a very fun time. Other people get really nervous. Mm -hmm. They're like, there's the crowd. I just want to get going. I love the start of a race. Like I'm the guy out there, like cracking stupid jokes with other people. And this one didn't even have like stand around in a big crowd of people. Like it was a big parking lot. And then it got called up from like a huge group of people, very spread out in a parking lot of like, all right, now wave one. And like about 10 people would mosey towards the line. Mm -hmm. And then we'd all stand and just like the small group of us, it was funny because no one wanted to put their foot on the line. Like there was just a group of people. I'm looking at the group. Half of the group is facing away from the starting line because they're like, mm, if I'm facing the wrong direction, then I can't be the person with my foot on the line. It's like, no, we're, we're all going to go running now. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll be in front of the group. Like we're all going to go run the same direction, just start running. Um, but I, I love the start of races. They're fun to me. And I don't get super nervous right at the start of races. Mm-hmm. Um, I get more nervous at like the start of like a 5k than the start of like a, a longer thing. Okay. Um, so that was, I don't know, it's just what it was. So then tell, take us through kind of like these, these miles here, five miles, 10 miles at the beginning of the race for the first 25 miles, we saw you every five miles. Yeah. How were you feeling during that time? Like at what point did you kind of start to struggle like at what point were you feeling good like take us through that first like 25 miles i mean <laughs> just casually take us through the first marathon that you yeah, ran pretty much um a lot of it was in the dark yeah. which was helpful um because it was not super super hot um part of it was uh pretty dark. So I was not able to go that fast because I couldn't exactly see where I was going. Um, if I ever do this again, I would put the headlight on. It was not required to wear a headlight because it was safe. We were on like a separated sidewalk, but because of that, there weren't lights on the path. Mm -hmm. Um, at one point I stopped and I moved a big giant, like palm branch that was in the way, um, because it was covering the whole sidewalk. And, um, the woman behind me, I was like, well, I'll just be kind and move the branch out of the way for her. So, um, got that out of the way, but I felt fine for the first many miles. Mm-hmm. I was, I was cruising along. Um, I didn't have like a group of people that I was with. So then I got headphones from you guys, but then I was trying to do headphones while putting like the cold water wrap over my head. So it was just grinding like the headphones and my sunglasses into my ears, which was super painful. Mm-hmm. So I ended up not having headphones for as much as I wanted at all. Yeah. Um, I think music and, and podcasts and stuff would have helped, but I, yeah, I had those very up, little. I was going to say, you ended up not having your headphones for a large chunk of the race. You only had them for what, maybe five or 10 miles. I was going to say, no, based off the, the, of what I listened to, I feel like I had to have had them for two hours. Really? Cause I know the podcasts I listened to and each of them 
one of them I was into, but there was probably an hour left of that one. And the other one's almost always right on an hour. Yeah. We'll have to go back and look at that. But yeah, you did most of the race without headphones. I was going to do a lot of the race with headphones and then like periodically hand them back to you guys and have you like charge them and then put them back on for whatever. Um, But they were just, it was super painful to have them on and a towel Mm -hmm. because I was wearing a hat and then would tuck the towel under the hat. So it was draping over the back of my neck. So I wasn't like sunburning myself, Yeah, but it was that. That combination with the headphones was just super painful. So at what point do you think you actually started to struggle? 35 to 40 miles. In there? Yeah. And what, when did I, I hit that thing that they call Hell's Tunnel? Uh, I'll have to go back and look at that one. I think that's right around 40 miles in. Yeah. So I was doing okay at the start of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you started struggling a little bit before, but it was mostly just like with the heat, like you're just kind of tired. I was tired. Yeah. You started getting tired, like around like 35 ish, 30, yeah. between 35 and 40. Yeah. I mean, you've been going for a while at yeah. that point. So I hit my first marathon in probably like three forty-five ish four hours, somewhere in that range. I was trying to hit like a four-hour marathon. I oh, think were I, you? I think I was close to a four-hour marathon. Okay. You pulled back substantially then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the thing is after I hit the opening 25 miles or so, not by my own choice, but by my stomach's choice, I was doing a lot more walking than I was aiming for. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. Like, when did that start happening? somewhere around the forties. Okay. Um, the stomach issue started. Yeah. Like I hit this, this stretch of road where you move from like the shady side of the street and then you go to the other side of what they call hell's tunnel. And it's like, a. I thought it was four when I remember reading the map beforehand, but I think it, it's like five and a half miles. I get to mm-hmm. see you guys in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, thankfully, because the individual racers could stop in the middle, mm-hmm. which was great. Cause otherwise I'm not sure how I safely would have made it out the other side. Cause yeah. I, I, you got plenty of water from you guys in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a four to five mile stretch. There's no shade. And because there's plant growth on both sides of the path that you're on, there's no breeze. Mm -hmm. And there was a a good wind for most of the course, but that part is just stagnant. So the sun's beating super humid, like extra humid in there because there's no breeze that's taking any of the, like the humidity out. Mm -hmm. So though that little stretch there just wrecked me. I was doing meh beforehand and then that stretch just really put me over the edge yeah I was just I was just trying to look on my phone to see when that was in case you guys are watching the video um podcast here I was trying to look on my phone to see like what mileage point that was but we could look that up later but um so it was really right before that that you started to struggle with the stomach issues yeah and then so like physically like what did what were you struggling with physically like there was definitely heat issues and it was funny because I even like went on Instagram and I was like, this weather is actually not too bad because it was it, overcast. It was overcast. Right. So that wasn't the sun bearing on us. So I was looking at that. I was like, it's actually overcast and there's a nice breeze. What I also that one, and also that was about, that was earlier in the morning. That was probably around like 10 ish. Yes. And then it, the weather just continually got worse from there. And, um, apparently there was a Saharan sand cloud that was over the state of Florida. Also that would the poor air quality, um, the humidity was through the roof. We actually got an email last night from the race director that said that the completion percentage for the hundred mile race was only 51.9% this year, which is the lowest completion rate in history. Yeah. So 
a lot of people dropped out of this race because yeah. the weather conditions were just so poor. It was a weird combo because normally when we get that Saharan dust cloud over Florida, it's drier, yeah. but it was just poor so air quality humid. and humid. So normally it's like, it's poor air quality, but the humidity drops down because mm-hmm. we get this desert wind over the top of us, but it was still super humid and the air quality was reduced. Yeah. Everything was going up against it. So, I mean, the biggest thing that was hitting me was my stomach was just crushing me. My legs started getting a little bit tight on me after I had been running for mile upon yeah, mile. Yeah, you were getting some feet cramping yes. at about like 36, 38, somewhere in that range. Yes. Your feet were cramping up on you. Yeah, so like the, the three middle toes of my left foot as I try and go run, suddenly those will all just like curl underneath my foot and it, that makes it kind of yeah. painful to run. So then we were like, salt tabs, we needed salt tabs. Yep. And so we were trying to get as many like electrolytes into him as possible because of like the cramping issues. And I think then those things could have also contributed to some of the stomach issues that you were having. Right. Cause the, the issue is we threw salt at me Yeah. and then didn't also increase like a large amount of like water. We and did. Like you like, need, you, you need both. You need both. Right. And we did, but like, it was just, it's, it was the hard balance of like water and electrolytes and making sure you had enough calories. Yep. And like, there's really like a limit on what you can take in while you're running that much. Yes. Like because there just is the, so the suggestion is to take in like 250 to 350 calories, right? but you can only actually process some of that. Yep. Like, you know, throughout the entire run that you're just essentially going to be continuously losing the, the energy of your body. Like it's just going to keep depleting the tank. Mm-hmm. So you try and keep putting more fuel into it, but your body can't even digest it all because you're too busy running. Right. And then you throw the heat on top of it and the way your body cools down from being so hot is it takes all of the blood in your core and moves it to your extremities right. even more than running. So, so then if, you can't digest even more. Right. So if you run at an easy enough pace, you can keep enough like blood to keep your digestive tract kind of moving, but then you throw like hundred degree temperature at it and all of the blood from your core moves to your extremities so that you can try and cool your body down so that you don't die yeah. because your body prioritizes keeping yourself at like an appropriate temperature over digestion. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to run that much, you need to be able to digest. You can take in the calories. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, there was just a lot of like physical issues. And obviously this was our first time doing it. Your first time doing it, my first time crewing it. Um, so trying to figure out what that balance was like, because like we said before, we had a plan, but there was going to be some adjustments needed and not really knowing kind of what those adjustments needed to be and not really realizing it, you know, at the time, um, that was, I think a cause of some of the stomach issues that you had that, and there was just like a lot of jet, you were taking a lot of gels, you know, which, which traditionally are kind of, they can be gut bombs. They can dehydrate you even further because they pull water into your gut. But so like Kevin, your body was really trying to fight for the water. Like you were limited with how much water you could take in. Right. Every part of me needed it. Every part of you needed water, right? Your stomach needed water to digest your, your skin needed water to help cool you down. Like your brain, your brain needs water, need water so you can keep thinking. Right. So ultimately your, your body's going to choose to make sure that your temperature is controlled and that you have enough blood mm-hmm. and water going to your brain that mm-hmm. that can keep functioning. Right. Which means that my stomach and my legs were not functioning as properly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So talk to me mentally. Okay. So physically you are struggling with the heat. You are struggling with some cramping issues, like in the feet, um, just general fatigue, right? Yep. Like, cause at some point you just started to get tired. You're like, I'm just tired. Like, yeah. like, yeah, you've been running for a long time. You've been running for eight hours. You've been running for 10 hours. Like you're going to be tired. And I remember at one point I'd heat, been running for, I think it was only like six at that point in time. I looked down at my watch. I'm like, I've been going for a long time. I look at my watch. I'm like, it's not even lunchtime. Like yeah. it was just funny. Cause at six hours into the run, it was still only 1130 in the morning. Yeah. So I thought that so crazy. Like, there were things like that that just make me laugh partway through, which helps a lot of like my mental state. Like, what did I think about? Yeah. You're running down the highway. Like there's a lot of stuff to look at, mm-hmm. um, you know, various stores that you're going past and people are driving by and honking and stuff like that. It, the, uh, the relay crews that you'd keep like passing, like the crew vans would go by and stuff like that. Um, so there was a lot to like watch the braces. Beautiful. Anytime you go over a, a bridge, the mm-hmm. water's just gorgeous Gorgeous, there's people that are fishing all over the place so you're trying to not get hooked by one of those things (laughs) um or trip over any of the like the fishing rods that are just laid out across some of the bridges um i would meet up i tried to like find some people like relay people sometimes that i would like run with for a little bit um which is a huge, that's phenomenal. Like if you're ever in a race and you're struggling, find somebody else that looks like they're struggling and be like, all right, let's roll. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there was a a person who I could see the relay exchange was like half mile, mile up ahead. I'm like, all right, are, are you exchanging up there? She goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, great. We're going together. I'm like, I'm like, can you run all the way there? She goes, uh, maybe I'm like, great. Then we're going to run all the way to your relay exchange. And so then we just ran all the way to the relay exchange and I let her set the pace the entire time because that was going to be a a push for me to be able to then run all the way to that relay exchange. It was great. Um, I found another guy on a bridge and I'm like, all right, we're going to go together for a little while. And then I took a little bit of a walking break. I'm like, hopefully I find you later. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to catch you from behind. He goes, well, maybe you might be able to catch me before the exchange. Otherwise I'll, you know, I'll cheer for you anytime. So there were a lot of people out there. Um, I found anytime I met up with another individual in the hundred mile race that I'm not good at running with other people. So I liked meeting up with people in, uh, that were doing relays <laughs> in short spurts. Yes. I could work with people in short spurts, <laughs> but I met with other people that were on like the ultra. And the thing is when you're out there for so long, everybody's got like a run walk to it Yeah. of like, all right, I'm going to run for a little bit. Maybe I walk and I take in some fluids. I, I walk, I take in some liquids or I walk just because my legs are tired. But how do you work that out when I'm trying to walk because my legs are hurting, but that guy's trying to walk because his legs are hurting. And like, who gets to decide after we're walking, now we're going to start running again. Yeah. How do we run? So I got to figure out how the heck that works Yeah, because it, uh, it went poorly on like multiple occasions with different people in the individual. <laughs> I, I had a good system with this woman who I'm guessing like there was like one of like two elite women in the race. And when she went by me, I'm like, I'll just roll with her for a little while. This is going to be great. Um, and then my legs couldn't keep up. Like my stomach and legs couldn't keep up. I had to take a little break and she got too far ahead. I'm like, well, and I've lost my running partner. So, um, that happened a couple of times also. Well, I think that, you know, if once you, if, and when you do this again, like you're going to know more than you knew the first time. Yep. 
right? And you're going to be able to have more things that you can be on the lookout for and know how to deal with, oh, okay, I'm start, starting to feel these things. This is what I need to do, right? Like that's where experience comes in. Yes. And you have a lot of running experience, a lot of racing experience, but something like this is a whole different animal. Yeah. That's why a lot of the, the people that win ultras tend to be a little bit older, mm-hmm. not just because they have so much running experience, but because they've competed in multiple ultras yeah. and they figured out like they can listen to their body mm-hmm. better than like somebody in their young twenties, yeah. usually, mm-hmm. um, you know, just depending on how much racing experience that person has, but there were things that showed up in an ultra that I've never had to deal with before. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had my stomach be in that level of pain from running yeah. and then tried to continue going. So, yeah. you know, just different, different things that you learn. So how did you struggle or how did you get through these low points? Like when you were, like when you were starting to struggle, when your stomach was starting to have these major issues, because if, if these stomach issues started around 40 ish, yeah. You still made it another 25 miles. I ran essentially a marathon yeah. after my stomach started After hurting. some major stomach issues, yeah. right? So how did you get through that? Um, I Every low point in a long race is going to be followed by a, a better point. Not necessarily a high point, but... I accepted very early on listening to lots of, of stories of other people that have run ultra marathons and things like this, that at some point during your race, you're going to have a low point of course. and you have to accept before you start that that low point is coming and that low point is not then going to last for the rest of your race. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to hit a low point and then you're going to come back out of it. And you might not feel amazing when you come back out of it, but you're going to be able to come out and feel better than you do at your low point. Okay. So I felt low mentally. I forget what it was. There was some like loopy thing on the course somewhere around like 20 where I was like, this, this is not feeling great. Yeah. Like I'm tired, more tired than I should be right now. I have a long way to go. I think I passed a mile marker and I looked at it and I'm like, huh, 80? No, I can't be right. Like, yeah. like something just mentally was not so great. And then, but I got over that one relatively quick and then physical issues started hitting and I'm like, okay, so we're just going to do a little walk in and get some hydration. And then I felt a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know? So all of them are just an acceptance that, a, a down swing in how the race is going doesn't mean the race is done. And it doesn't mean that that's how I'm going to feel for the rest of the race. Yeah. You know, I can, I can take a break. I can take a pause. I can try and come back. And usually I was coming back feeling stronger. Yeah. Um, and, and you were struggling a little bit before the 50, like before the halfway point yes. when I ran out to find you and, yes. and bring you water. Yeah. I texted you or called you or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, you texted me yep. and you were just kind of like, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, I don't know if I can keep going or yeah. so, something to that effect. Yes. I was walking past the airport and marathon and I'm like, I am not moving very fast. Like I'm looking down at yeah. like the pace thing on my watch and I'm like, I'm not even like briskly walking at this point. Like I'm just walking at this mm-hmm. point. Um, this is not going well. So I, I wrote to you or t- called you or whatever. And I'm like, I am really struggling here. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was hydration. So I got to the next stop there. Um, it was, I need a break. Yeah. That's what you said. I need a break. I just, I pulled up the text here. I, I need a break. And I said, okay, we are here. You're almost to us. And then you said, my stomach is not working. Yeah. Because so oh, that this was the one right before, right before the 50. Right. So the, I said, there are inside bathrooms at this stop. The plan was to yeah. take like a longer stop 
before we made it to the seven mile bridge, which is the longest stretch that you can go without seeing your crew. Yeah. Like you, once you start the bridge, you have seven miles before you're going to see anybody and no one's going to come back and pick you up on the bridge because there's like, there's no shoulder. Yeah. There's cars going one direction, a, a lane of cars going the other direction and runners on this like tiny little shoulder. So if you start it, you have to get to the other side of the bridge. So the plan, my thought heading into this was, all right, we're going to take a little bit of a longer break right before the bridge, get myself cooled down, get a little extra water and then go. Yeah. And I, so I sent you that thing. I'm like, nope, we're going to take the longer break now. Mm-hmm. And from that break, there was in like three miles before you got to the bridge, but it was like, no, we need to break now. It needs to happen. Cause I'm not, yeah. my stomach is, is done. And I was literally, I'm like, I'm strolling down the street of marathon. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know why I have a race number on me anymore because it really just feels like I'm casually walking through the keys at this point in time, yeah. except also that someone's like stabbing me in the stomach as I casually walked down the street. It was a bad feeling. Yeah. So when I like ran and found you, I brought water to Kevin. He was like about a half mile down from where I was. And like, you got emotional at that point and you were just like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I can keep going. And I'm just like, we just have to get to the next stop. Like yep. right now, all we have to do is get to, it's right there. It's right there. We just have to get there. You can go inside. You can sit down. There's air conditioning. You can take a break. Yep. Yeah. So actually this was a, a, a good time to ask this question that um, a friend of mine asked the other day. At what point, like, what kind of mental checkpoints did you use along the way? Right. Because if you're if running, like, I know that with me, like if I'm running like a half marathon, mm-hmm. for example, when I get to the six and a half mile mark, I know I'm halfway done. Right. Yep. When I get to that seven, I know I'm more than halfway done. When I get to the 10 mile, I know I, I only have a 5k left. Right. <laughs> like I have these mental checkpoints along the way. What are those mental checkpoints in a hundred mile race? Right. Cause like when you get to the 50, you're like, okay, sweet. I only, I only have 50 miles exactly. to go. Like you get to mile 74 and you're like, all right, final marathon. Right. Like that's so what, <laughs> like in the, in the race that you did, what were there? Did you use any mental checkpoints? No. Were you like counting down along the way? No, no, no. I tried to, there was no counting down. Literally the only time I was looking at mile markers was seven mile bridge. Cause I was trying to like pace out when you were going to meet me on the other side right. of the bridge. So I was like letting you know what mile mark I got to. Otherwise I did my best to not even find the mile markers okay. along the road. You didn't even want to know. No, oh, okay. because it's purely run the mile you're in. Um, if you try to start wrapping your head around, uh, I have a hundred miles to go or I have 99 miles to go like that's <laughs> that's like ridiculous 99 bottles of beer on the wall yeah I, the the police officer that helps you cross the street you're like less than a quarter mile in and you start on a sidewalk on on the one side of the street and then it becomes like a divided highway so you literally you have to cross to like the median of the street and run down the sidewalk on that side and that officer joked he goes you guys are looking great almost there uh... <laughs> Goodness. And it's funny at that point, it's funny because you still have over 99 and a half miles to go. Yeah. Anytime after that, I think you like, Death if deserves a punch in the face, yeah. <laughs> like if I had enough energy, bam. And, and now I get to punch you in the face, You're but not funny. like it's the sign and you see the signs at the marathons, you know, almost there. Um, and there was a, you know, a podcast I was listening to that's like, even in like the Boston marathon, when you hit the final straightaway, you still should not see a sign that says almost there mm-hmm. because it's. 600 meters down the final straightaway 
that's a long distance. That's not almost there. So yeah, no, I did my best to never think about how much I had gone or how much I still had to go. Yeah. Um, when I would glance at my watch, I was looking at what is my current pace. Yeah. I was trying not to mention it also, but like, I know you were going out of your way to mention it. Like Maddie kept trying to check. Yeah. What mile is this? Mm, Doesn't matter what mile this is. I picked up very early on that you did not want to know. And so I was like, you know, I'm not saying anything here. Yeah. No time. Like I knew like how long I had been out there for. Yeah. Um, at one point, cause I started finding that amusing the number of hours that I had been running, mm-hmm. um, without having like a, a negative connotation to that. But, um, in terms of like what mile I was on, no, I just, I run the mile you're in. Yeah. Okay. So at what point did you start thinking about quitting? Like, cause that, that thought is always going to come up, right? Like what time, like at what point did you kind of start to think about, like, I don't know if I might finish this race or like, I don't want to finish this race. Like when did that thought kind of pop in? The first time that it like really showed up was when I texted you of, I need a break. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that break was going to be it. Yeah. Um, so how did you push through it when that thought did pop in? Like when that thought first started to pop in at the beginning, I knew it was coming. Yeah. Cause I had that thought earlier than that of yeah. this is not going well. I'm not sure about this thing. Yeah. And at that point you're like, well, I got a lot of miles still to go. And mm-hmm. it was like early thirties. And I'm yeah. like, this is not, I'm not feeling great. But you knew that that's also where you started struggling here, like for the 50 mile. Yeah. It was like in those, in that like early to mid thirties. Right. So it's like, all right, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep running and it's going to be fine. I'm not going to quit. Like, Hey, do you feel like quitting? Yes, I do. Are you going to? No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And so then the first time that like it showed up of, Hey, do you feel like quitting? Yes. Are you going to? And I didn't immediately give it the like, no, I'm not response was probably right around that like 50 mile mark mm-hmm. before that I was able to push it off pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, does, do you feel like quitting? Yes. Are you going to No. Yeah. But at that point, at my, that point where you kind of got emotional and were like, I don't know if I can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was moving so slow and that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like it's what we said all the way at the beginning of this podcast is my goal was not to walk to Key West. Yeah. Like I was going to be running this thing and I was walking so slow at that. I still would have hit the time because I'd been going pretty quick up to that point, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, that was not what that race was going to be for me. Yeah. So we got him to the 50 mile checkpoint. You, you crossed that timey mat. And like I said, there was air conditioning there. There was like yep. a little garden club area where they were set up, which was nice. And they it's were the inside... start of the 50 mile race. So right. where you're allowed to go into the building and stuff. And there were inside bathrooms there. So that was good. So we kind of brought him in. He went to the bathroom. He sat down in the air conditioning for a while. We got a peanut butter and jelly into yep. you. Um, we got some more fuel and some more water into you. And the then race marshals were there who've done so many ultras themselves awesome. and crewed so many ultras. They're like, yeah. uh, try this and this thing. And just like yeah. they, and you trust them because, you know, the guy's wearing like a different ultra marathon shirt. And he's yeah. talking about like the next one that he's going to be crewing in a couple of weeks. Like yeah. these are people that know what they're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. So you decided to keep going at that point. Yep. Why? Uh, I mean, race wasn't done. Yeah. When you knew you could do more, I knew that I had plenty more and I was feeling, I was feeling, you were the, feeling the lightning. Yes. <laughs> that was my favorite part. I think that's like one of the highlights of the day for me. Like, and if you guys 
it, actually, you can still go back and watch it um, because I did make it a highlight on yes, Instagram. Yes, because you saved that. Yes, I saved the whole story into a highlight on Instagram. So you guys can actually go back to our Instagram right now and watch the entire, like everything that I put up on our stories that from that day. Um, but as Kevin was leaving the 50 mile stop, he like, I looked at him and he was just like, he started kind of hobbling along. And to me, he just like, he looked like a little old man. I mean, everything's so stiff. Everything My hips so are so stiff at that point. Sitting too. Yeah. So you're trying to like get everything moving right. again. He looked like a little old man starting to run and he just turned back and he's like, I'm feeling the lightning. Yeah. <laughs> it was my favorite. And it just made me laugh. Um, but yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite moments. Yeah. I, you remember that one. Cause you don't remember the other time. And I don't remember which stop it was. Cause they all kind of blur to me, yeah. but there was one that I took off from you guys and there, you guys, and there was another, uh, guy running at that point. And I was like, all right, let's go do more dumb things. And like, he chuckled and I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Cause the, the ludicrousness of what you're doing, yeah. like you can't help, but like, be amused mm -hmm. as you're doing it, even though it's like, it's painful and it hurts and whatnot. Yeah. It's still funny that we've all signed up and paid money to do this thing. Yeah. So you have to be able to laugh at it while you're in it. Yeah. So then what happened after the 50 mile mark? Okay. Because now we're, you're halfway done. Yeah. You're still going and there's a seven mile bridge coming up. So the seven mile bridge goes from mile so you're 53 miles in when you start it. Cause it's mile marker 47. Right. So when you down. leave the 50, we were going to see you again in like three miles. Yep. Yeah. We, we saw you at like 47.1. Yeah. I caught you off guard at that one. Yeah, you did. Like I, you showed up there a lot sooner than I expected you. Yep. Yeah. Cause I was actually moving pretty you were actually well. Moving, right. Um, and then got like, well, cause I told you when you left the 50, I said, when I see you at the 47, you need to decide are you going to make it to the other side? I said, because you cannot start the bridge unless you know for sure that you're going to make it to the other side. Yeah. And I had like, I'd found a person that I was running with yeah. during that. I was doing my best to run with him, but like I covered, I don't do well trying to run walk with another person. <laughs> yeah. It was awkward. Um, it was actually the, a guy that I had met like two miles into the race and then saw him again at mile, what, like 48 into mm -hmm. the race. Yeah. So, um, so you start the bridge at mile 47. So you're 53 miles into the race yeah. and I was feeling fine. We put my hydration vest on and extra water into it because it's a long time and there's zero shade on the bridge at all. Yeah. Like there's nothing. So you have to have as much water as you can basically take from one side to the other. And I'm, I'm going across the bridge. Yeah, I'm and feeling... we can't make it, we couldn't fill it up because it was just too heavy. And like yes. at that point you were just too tired to carry right. that. So I've got water in like the, the pack on my back. I've got a handheld and I've got another water bottle in one of the pockets on the front of the vest. Yeah. So I've got all this water and, and some food also. And I started heading over the bridge and you have to like climb up the, the front of it. That felt okay. I actually was catching some relay people from behind. I had them take a picture of me and then I kept on going and I was feeling okay. And in the middle of the bridge, there's this sort of like up and over part. Like it's not just flat. You have to kind of go a little bit up and over. And I like walk jogged up it, but on the downside... <laughs> on the, on the downside of it. Um, I, I, my hips were hurting too much the way that like, you have to like extend your foot out in front of you as you go down a hill, like my hips were just killing me. So then I walked all of that downhill. And by the time I got to the bottom of it, my stomach was shot again. And I don't think it was the downhill somehow just the time out there. 
all the sun, the no shade, I was back to like, my stomach was just, just churning and felt stabbing. And so the stomach pain did go away for a little bit after the 50 little bit. Okay. Um, and then it came back and it came back really bad coming over the bridge. And so coming down the other side of the bridge, I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm going to make it to the other side of the bridge. I'm going to be safe. I'm fine. I'm totally going to make it to the other side of the bridge, but I'm not going to do this for the next 40, 40 miles. miles because when you finish the other side of the yeah. bridge you're at mile mark there's there's 40 miles left in the race i'm like all right so i'm gonna get to the other side of the bridge and then i'm gonna get in a car and then we're gonna be done for the race and then a friend of ours was waiting for me at the other side of the bridge yeah and he had driven multiple hours to come down and and run with me yeah. for part of the race which was amazing which was it was phenomenal because i with three or so miles left on the bridge I was done and I knew that I had to get to the other side of the bridge I'm like all right fine I'll, I'll. but you, in your head you had already accepted that you were finished I was done I was going to get in a car at the other side of the bridge and then you're over there like filming like hey look who came down to run with you I'm like oh, okay I guess I'm not I'm not done <laughs> and so I kept running which was phenomenal yeah. because being able to run with him I was then able to crest uh, the hundred kilometer mark. I ended mm. up running 65 miles. And once you hit 62, I'm like, well, that's, that's a hundred K. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, that's really cool. So you wouldn't have hit that. I would not have hit that. Uh, I, depending on where the stops were, I was going to have a very serious conversation with you on the other side of the bridge of yeah. where's the next time I can stop because, because yeah, you wanted to, well, like my favorite number is like 1.6, 1.61, 1. like 1.6108. Um, so if I could run that far, like, can I get to like 61 miles? Is there a stop somewhere around that? Mm -hmm. And then if there's not, if it's close enough to 62, I could probably get to a hundred K. Yeah. So that was my intention. And then, you know, we hit that stop and there was another bridge and then we made it to 65 miles. Yeah, and, like, and that bridge was longer than I expected. That like, was I'm almost driving, like a three mile bridge. I was driving was long over one. that bridge and I was like, um, they didn't mention this one yeah. right after the right seven. Right after the seven mile. Yeah. They didn't mention there's another like three mile long bridge. Right. I don't think it was three. It was a little under three. It, it certainly stopped. felt really yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. So those, so then you ran how many more with, with your friend? Uh, five, almost. Almost five. Yeah. Yeah. Like essentially five. Um, and then got to the point where it's like you got to put on all the, all of your flashers and your, your right because then it was reflective it vest was sundown at yes. that point in time. So we had to we put all the stuff on you. Yeah, actually we put that on you before that. But no, you put that on me around like seven o'clock because you have to have it on by right. the time it hits seven thirty. Mm -hmm. And then we got to that to the next stop, and you were putting the vest on yourself, like you were fully prepared mm -hmm. of like, all right, if we're going to go and he needs a little more company, I'll, I'll put the vest on. I can go out and like, we can run, walk this thing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, we're this, this is it. We're, we're done. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about that decision. Okay. Okay. Like what made you decide to stop and not to keep going? I, I didn't want to walk the rest of it. And there was so little running that I'd been doing for the past several miles. I'm like, this is not what I want to do because every time I would take anything in calorie wise, yeah. I could take in water, but anything like, and whatever it was, I was trying like peanut butter M&Ms or uh, the peanut M&Ms or a gel or jelly just beans. like jelly beans, a liquid that, that had calories in it all of them within like a minute of taking that in was just like, and my stomach is done. Um, mm. 
And so I knew how much walking was going to go. And because you have to take the calories in, I still had over 30 miles to go. I couldn't do it calorie free. And I needed, so I needed to take calories in, but anytime I would take in any sort of food that needed to get digested, my stomach was just revolting on me. And that, that combination, I was like, I can't run 30 more miles if I can't put in food and I can't put in food. Yeah. And so you were like, how confident are you that you're done? I'm like 98%. Yeah. And you're like, and okay, so, I, so maybe just sit here. Yeah. And so I said, <laughs> well, yeah, just sit here and let's, let's just get some, get some stuff, get some water into you. Let's maybe, just, maybe, right. you know, if you just sit here for a few minutes, you know, if you're not at a hundred, we don't need to call it. Yeah. You're, if you're 98, that's close. Just sit here. We'll try and get some more fluids and, and just see how you're doing. And as I sat there, you know, my stomach started feeling slightly better, but then I got up out of the chair and tried to walk around and walking was so painful because I'd been sitting for long enough yeah. that I was now so stiff. And I'm like, I, I, I can't, my stomach was almost to the point that I think I could run, but mentally I knew if I, as soon as I took in anything else, my stomach was going to go back to where it was. Or at least that's what you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That, that's where my, I was mentally at at yeah. that point of if I take in calories again, my stomach is going to go back to that really bad spot. Yeah. And it might not have, I don't know. Yeah. But that's what you were telling yourself. Right. Yeah. Cause the sun was also getting close to being down, which is right. going to definitely help the temperature of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mentally, I was at a point where I'm like, I don't think I can take in any more food. And if I can't take in more food, then I can't safely keep running. Yes. I could have taken like a four hour break and then tried to continue. I could have just kept walking and taking little like snacks as I walked, but that's, that wasn't the race that I signed up for. Yeah. That wasn't the race that I had going into it. Yeah. So that, I think that kind of all goes back to your goal going into the race is yeah. that you wanted to run this race. Yeah. And if it was going to require you to just mostly walk it, yeah. that was not what you wanted. To that do. wasn't my race. Yeah. If you would have done that, like if you would have just walked the rest or, you know, walked a very good portion of mm-hmm. that, do you think that that would have been like, and cross the finish line. So let's just assume that you did cross the finish line. You think that there would be less satisfaction from that? <sighs> hard to say. I know. Like I, I don't know. I've tried to think about that yeah. and I don't know because heading into it, that outcome was not really an option that I ever let play out. Mm. Like if it gets to that point, I'm, I'm not going across the finish line. You just already decided that you were going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So I never really let that option play out to try and like figure out mentally where I was with that, because that wasn't something that I was really on board with. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about taking the kids along about like, well, what if, what if you start at five 30 in the morning and then you're not going to finish until like eight or nine o'clock the next morning. And I'm like, that's, that's not an option. Like that's just not a thing. And that's what I said to Kevin too, is I said, if the girls are going to be a factor in your decision, they can't come. Right. Right. Because like, I did not want you to stop running because you thought, oh, well, I can't, the girls can't keep going. Right. Like the girls needed to be taken completely out of that decision. That's not fair. Like this is your race. And if you were going to consider them in that decision of whether or not to keep going or whether or not to stop that, 
then they just wouldn't, were not going to be able to come. Right. So as I sat there 65 miles in, I tried to be as selfish as possible yeah. in making the choice, which is weird for me. <laughs> um, but I tried to be as selfish as I possibly could right. and still decided. And that was the difference between like 98 and hundred of, I need to be a hundred percent selfish here. What is it that I want to do? And the answer was, I'm, I'm done with the race. Mm-hmm. And so how do you feel about that decision now? There's, there's disappointment that I didn't make it, but I still think that it was the right choice, which we've talked about a little bit before mm-hmm. we started recording. I mean, we've talked about that over the last couple of days yeah. is that both of those things can exist together, which is weird. Like I can be disappointed in the outcome and still think that I did the correct thing, mm-hmm. which it's a, it's a weird combination, but I think that's, that's essentially where I'm at is I wish that there was a better outcome that would have been nice. I kind of wanted a belt buckle, but, um, ultimately where I was at 65, I think I made the right choice. Mm-hmm. It just stinks that that was the choice that had to get made. Yeah. So it's like a disappointment, but there's, is there also a level of like contentment there Yes. or satisfaction? Would you say satisfaction or no? Uh, like what were, yeah, you had to put a word yeah, to content, it. Content satisfaction. Like, so, like you know, you made the right choice. You know, I like that we're recording this because I think a lot of the people listening will get it. Mm-hmm. I've got coworkers that don't understand why I, I tried it in the first place. Yeah. They don't understand why I run period. Right. So my getting to 65 out of hundred miles, you know, they're coming up and they're like, Oh, how are you doing? Not with a, like, are your legs sore? How are you doing? But like, Oh, are you feeling okay? You only made it to 65 miles. I'm like, yeah, doing fine. Like really the people are coming with that. Yes. I've had people coming with that. Like, Oh, are you, are you like upset? I'm like, yeah. I mean, upset's not really the word. Like, sure, I wish that I had made it to the finish line. I'm a little disappointed that this is how it played out, but I'm not, I'm not done. That's it. I had to DNF a race. I guess I'm done running for now. Shut it down. Podcast is over. We're done coaching. Like I'm that's, still here. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. Like that's not how this is going to happen. <laughs> like we're not just going to end everything because I had to DNF a race. Right. Like DNFing anything whether it's a race or other like big decisions and choices you've made in your life, a DNF does not mean that you're done with the thing. It means that that race didn't end the way that you would hope to that it ended. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you are now. That's where I am right now. Like you, you wish it wouldn't have ended that way. Yeah. But you know that you made the decision that was right for you at the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the people that are like, are you disappointed? Or the the guy that came to me today, like, so what's the next goal? I'm like, I I'm going to try and wait till the blisters get off of my toes before I even try and figure out what my next goal is yeah. there, chief. Um, <laughs> so at that point, like when you got to that 65 mile mark, did you, would you say that you had already pretty much made the decision that you were done at that point? Like, did you consider any other options like taking that longer break or doing anything else? Or no. Were you pretty much done at that No, point? I was done on the seven mile bridge. Yeah. I was very grateful to my friend that we got an extra five miles in. Yeah. We had talked as we're run walking along, we had talked about, you know, a lot about overcoming and how 
it's so much in your head and not in your body of what we, what the human body is capable of doing, you know, talking about like the Boston marathon with the like crazy conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we had a funny conversation of two dudes running down the road about how women are far less likely to drop out of difficult races and ultra marathons (laughs) than men are. I'm like, well, of course it is. I'm like, right now I'm 60 plus miles into the race. It feels like I've got a knife in my stomach. I'm trying to shove down jelly beans. And this is probably what, like 10% of the pain of childbirth. And the two of us had a good laugh over that, (laughs) like a painful, but good laugh over that one. (laughs) Like, yeah, obviously women are able to complete ultra marathons at a more consistent rate at at a less dropout rate than men are like, so he just kept trying to be like, you can keep going. Like you've got more in you. And I'm like, yeah, I know I could keep going, but I, I don't, I don't want to do it the way that I am right now. Like, this is not, this is not my vision. This is not my race. This is not my vision. This is not how it's going. And so like I, I chose and I accepted it and I was glad that I got to 65 and I could have made it another few miles. Like we had talked about that as we're at that rest. Yeah. Do you want to go in the next stop is only a mile and a half down the road. I'm like, sure. I could, I could have made it to 70, but did I want to, did I want to continue more miles where I was? Did I want to continue putting more damage to my body? Like my feet were a mess at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a lot. And I don't think that I would have enjoyed the back end of that race as much as I had enjoyed everything up to that. Mm -hmm. Like I can look back and say that I enjoyed a good portion of that race. Even the parts where I was in excruciating pain, I had enjoyed that race. And I don't think that I would have had an overall enjoyment with it if I had kept grinding through for the next few miles. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because what I'm like really hearing from you is that like you had this vision of what you wanted the race to be. And you made a conscious decision ahead of time that if it wasn't matching with that, that that was the time to pull the plug. Right. That was the time to, to decide like it's time to stop. Right. Which was actually part of the conversation that we had as we were running down the street there yeah. is um, he, he had read a thing that said why men are more likely to drop out of marathons than women is men usually go into it with more of a concrete number. Mm-hmm. And when they look down at their watch and they're off pace, men are more likely to quit. Mm-hmm. Whereas women are more likely to shift the goalpost yeah. and change what the goal is. Yeah. Men stick with the goal. They realize they're not hitting it and they say they're, they're done. Mm-hmm. Women are much more able to change the goalpost. Interesting. And I'm like, I'm moving the goalpost. My goalposts were pretty wide and I'm going to move them a little bit. But there was a point where I'm like, I don't want to, sh- I, I still want goalposts. I still want to be playing that game. Not, I, I'm not changing the sport. Mm. And, and to me, walking the final 30 miles was going to be, that was not the, as far as the goalposts that I wanted to move. Yeah. You know? And for some people, it's a fantastic thing to do, right? Yeah. Like, and there are some people that do the, you know, completed the course. We haven't looked at the results yet officially, but, you know, complete this course in 30 hours plus. Which and is amazing. It is amazing. Like just thinking about, being out there for that long, like just you were out there for 14 hours, which is like insanity, like to run for 14 hours, like to be on your feet for that long. Like, and I think that there's something to be said for all those people that do just continue to walk and push and just keep going, right. Not give up. But I also think that it's important to recognize that that's not what you wanted for yourself And, and to have the strength to make that decision, knowing that you did have all of these people watching you. Yes. Right. And like 
did, did that thought cross your mind at all? Like, what would other people say? Like, did you have any consideration about like anybody else in no, that? No, I told you at, at that point yeah. in the decision to But at actually, any point along the way. Along the way, sure. Yeah. Along the way is you're like, man, you should see how many people are watching our stories. I'm like, oh God. I don't uh, want to know I'm an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well with this. I'm going to take this towel from my neck and put it in front of my face. Um, but you know, yeah. So that thought kind of crossed my mind, but in the, the ultimate decision of, of DNF, I told you, like, I had to make that as selfish of a decision as possible. Like nothing else beyond me mattered of whether I was going to continue in that race. Yeah. And I think that that's how that decision needs to get made for anybody that decides that they're going to take on some crazy, huge goal. You get to decide and only you get to decide uh, when it's time to pull the plug yep. on that particular attempt. Yep. On that particular attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't have to mean that you're done. Like right. that goal doesn't have to be done. It's just, that was my, my attempt right there was done. And you know, everybody can have whatever opinion they'd like on it yep. of you should have taken a break and finished later. You should have kept on walking. Sure. Those, those were options. I did not, I did not choose those options. Yeah. And, and I, I know that they were options and I still chose that I was going to take, I was done at that point. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And it's, you know, it sounds like you did, you made that empowered decision, right. And that the decision that was right for you at the time. And yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. So how are you doing now? We're four days out. People are want, people want to know how, how are you recovering? You're like, this is, I think maybe the longest episode we've ever done. I'm not sure how long we've been going. We've been going for a while, for quite a while here. So how are you feeling four days post-race? I feel pretty much back to normal. How did you feel the day after? Tell us a little bit about the days following the race. So that that night I couldn't really move. The day after I could barely move. Yeah. Um, I like hobbled down to a pool and tried to like sit. I didn't even get in the pool. I like sat on the edge of the pool because I wasn't sure if I could sit in it, if I would be able to get back up. Yeah. Um, You know, trying to like sit in a car, like from standing next to the car, you're like, Oh, well you just get up and you sit in the car. That was a challenge because it was like, it was higher than I was. Um, anything that put me on a single leg was just excruciating. Things were just like randomly cramping. Um, I, one of our daughters tried to come up and like, give me a hug. I'm like, Whoa, I need heads up that you're going to come give me a hug. Cause yeah. I need to like put a leg back and brace myself. So you don't knock me over. It's so funny that like, you know, you don't realize how much our muscles brace us and like little things like that. Right. Cause it was, and I think that was like a tiny bit of like activating hamstrings and my core, mm-hmm. but neither of those were functioning at that point. <laughs> so like, yeah. like I appreciate the hug, but we're both going to fall down and I'll probably cry because everything will hurt. Yeah. So please just let me just know, give me a warning. let me know that you're going to hug me and I will gladly take a hug. Yeah. So Kevin, like the day after was pretty limpy. He was limping around. He was kind of kind of stiff, kind of sore. The next day you were better. Like it was mostly just like bending over. So the day after that was Monday. I had to go back to school. Yep. So I had to tie my shoes. So in order to get a shoe on, cause I still couldn't like touch my feet. Mm-hmm. So in order to get a shoe on, I had to like put my foot up onto something, but I couldn't just casually lift my foot up. So I had to use both hands <laughs> to lift my leg up onto something that I could get my shoe into. Yeah. At this point I can, I am basically moving. Yeah. So we're normal. four days 
post-race now because yeah. it's Wednesday. Yeah. So blisters are still a mess on my feet, mm-hmm. but I'm moving normally. I'm sure I still have tons of damage that I can't see. Yes. Um, I still haven't, I have not run. Um, we walked to get the girls from school today. I've walked a little bit, but not even like trying to go out for any sort of like conscious amount of time. And nothing so. brisk or anything like no, that. No, no. Yeah. Casually walking. How long do you think you'll take off? I mean, I'm taking at least this week off and then I may come back with like a run walk and mm-hmm. see how I do with no expectations of yeah. how, cause I don't know what, what I feel like inside. Right. Like that's the thing is yeah, how your muscles are going to actually work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a slow, a slow process coming back from this. All right. Last question. Okay. Um, are you going to do it again? <sighs> this race or any ultra or what are we talking here? Either. I don't know. Okay. I haven't signed Too up. Soon? For, I haven't signed up for anything. You know, I had a coworker that said, what's the next challenge? Um, I, I may or may not have the USA ultra marathon calendar pulled up on my computer right now. Um, but I definitely have not actually signed up for anything. <laughs> So I think that might answer the question fairly accurately. Okay. I think that's, that's kind of where my head is for that. So there, there will be more. There, there, there will be more. There will be more. I knew it. I knew it. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. I don't have a belt buckle yet. I know. I know. Thank you for sharing your experience. I know there was a lot of people that were um, very interested in this experience and thank you guys. If you're still with us to the end of this episode, um, Longest episode ever. Yeah, maybe I'll split it up into two parts. There you we'll go. See. We'll see here. Um, I'm not sure how long we've been going. So as always, guys, thank you for spending this time with us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 253. If you don't yet, go follow us on Instagram. You can check out the story there. Now get out there and run your life. 